Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Thursday's Fantasy NBA Today. Don't hold the fantasy anymore. I am your host, Dan Bespris, and this is, of course, a hoop ball presentation. Good tidbits of news floating around these last little bits. We'll be getting to those momentarily. We have Josh Millman coming up on the podcast in about seven minutes or so. So a very fun day. Tomorrow on the show, we'll be breaking down a few more rounds of the in-progress industry mock draft, which I believe, actually, as we're doing this podcast, I believe I'm on the clock right now, so i got to take care of that. Oh, and, hmm, oops. All right, well, it looks like, looks like something glitched out and I got the guy I didn't want, but whatever, it doesn't matter. That's uh that's the that's the magic of Thursday, it appears. In any event, uh welcome to the show once again, everybody. Uh thanks so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I almost forgot how to spell my own name. I'm so sleepy today. This is um Largely going to be a Western Conference breakdown on today's podcast. We've done bits and pieces of it, we and this is sort of rolling it all together. I do want to take a moment here at the beginning of the show to once again shout out our, our partners at manscaped.com. Please, please, please head on over there. Use coupon code HOOPBALL20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your manscaped.com order. Get a lawnmower 3.0. It's waterproof. It's got a 90-minute battery. It's got pinch-free technology. It's got a built-in LED light so you can see where you're shaving. It is awesome. It is the future of grooming. And I know they like to talk about below-the-belt stuff, but you can really, you legitimately can use it on any part of you. I've used it on my neck. I've used it on the the back of my neck, my, uh, my cheeks, at, like... Their their shtick is uh, below the belt grooming, but it's a great device for any type of trimming where you don't want to get pinched, which I think is, you know, basically everywhere on you at this point. Again, coupon code there is HoopBall20, 20% off free shipping with our buddies over at Manscaped.com. And of course, at MyBookie.ag, Spooky Week continues. It's spooky season at MyBookie.ag. Sign up over there using uh, the promo code HoopBall when you sign up. You can put it in. It's on the third page of sign up. And then there's just all these sweet Halloween promos running all week. They've got uh, free blackjack tournaments running all week. They had a $10,000 blackjack tournament running that has free entry. I think there are 100 winners in that tournament, which is just awesome. So you can, again, play these games on mybookie.ag without even making a deposit if you don't want uh, and and get yourself involved. Like, it's it's free money. It's, uh, it's a casino game you can play for actual dollars and you don't have to buy anything to be a part of it. 
Uh, they're going to have free spins available during spooky season. There's just all this cool stuff going on this week for Halloween. All these ways that you can uh, enjoy my bookie and what they provide to their customers without having to pay for anything. You can, there's different bonuses you can get uh, if you make a deposit, but you don't have to do that right now. Uh, but again, make sure you use the code HOOPBALL when you sign up and uh, let them know who sent you. That was, that's our important um, partner information. We actually have a brand new partner that'll be coming on with us in about two weeks. So very excited to tell you guys about that when we get there. But of course, today is October the 29th, so we're not quite there yet. Shout out to our various team podcast units. They've got shows dropping this week. The Hoopball Grizzlies team, led by our buddy David Williams, uh, had a show out, I believe that was yesterday in the evening. He, uh, Dave and Sammy over there, were joined uh, by Derek Murray, the director of scouting at Babcock Hoops, to talk about what the Grizzlies might do in the upcoming draft. The Hoopball Kings unit had a similar conversation uh, with Bryant West of the Kings Herald, that's Damian and Jill, talking about the draft as well. Uh, Hoopball Gaming just keeps chugging along, so there's always cool stuff going on over at Hoopball HQ. And, of course, we are now uh, with, well, the Players Association basically saying that starting on December 22nd is a non-starter. Uh, so the negotiating now is taking place through the press. Still, we're we're on a downslope here. Even if they don't go December 22nd, it sounds like it's going to be somewhere in between Christmas and MLK Day. So either way, we're really close. We're like somewhere between 8 and 11 weeks probably from the start of the NBA season. So downslope is coming, which means really cool stuff at Hoop Ball is coming. Just stay excited. Start to get uh, enthused because fantasy draft stuff is not that far away. He's back, baby. The great job. Who ball us? Yeah, there it is. Hey, who's your baseball team? Have we ever talked about baseball? Oh, I'm like embarrassed to even say it. The Yankees. They're not bad. Why should we be embarrassed no, about the not, Yankees? I guess not. It's like it's one of those things. Oh, like uh, the evil empire. Uh, Look who you're talking you to. Know, just we're like the I, other. Well, but that's not. I know that. But like, I I feel like you don't get, like the Dodgers are hated on the West Coast, but they don't get like the true national true. and global hatred that the Yankees get. That is true. That is true. And then for a stretch this year, and uh, probably not anymore now that they actually won the title, but the Dodgers were actually kind of the the good guy. Everybody was rooting for the Dodgers because the Astros scandal made L.A. look like the victims for a couple of yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, same thing with the Yankees, but like yeah, that true. goodwill is always short-lived. Yeah, nobody cares. That's really actually no, kind of amazing. The whole year, people were like, the Dodgers got screwed, and even I just did it. Nobody even remembers that the Astros went through your guys first. I know. They went through us, and uh, I, you know, I, I do miss the fact that they, we didn't have a normal season where everyone could just bean them for 162 games. But, you know, again, I wasn't that into baseball. Actually, I was pulling for the Dodgers regardless. I, I A buddy and I were in a postseason pool nice. in which we in which we won and we rode the Dodgers all the way to the final. And so we won the pool. We actually nailed the Dodgers in six for the World Series. So we were very uh, pleased about that. And the other thing is, is that I, I, I played fantasy baseball for quite some time. And my guy was always Clayton Kershaw. Mm. Always, always, always. Just the most likable superstar ever. Just a great, just, it just seems like a nice personal guy, personable guy, and just an absolute stud, like of of this particular generation, the best pitcher 
of his time and just a monster when it came to fantasy. And I always had him and I was always like pulling for him. You know, you'd be, you have these affinities, even if they're not on your team per se. I know he's a Dodger, so you love the guy. I do. But you have an affinity for the guys on your fantasy teams that help you win. And he was my guy. So I've always pulled for him in the postseason. Of course, I completely get that. I have that with basketball. I, I mean, for years, the Lakers were awful. So I I had to fall in love with players on other teams. And I, I mean, mm-hmm. I still kind of do because generally LeBron is overdrafted. And then, you know, Anthony Davis would be a nice one to have. But anyway, hey, you know what? Uh, that actually is a really good segue. And I didn't do this on purpose. But first of all, we're talking to Josh Millman at Josh Millman on Twitter. If you want to give him a follow, my secret cousin. Um LeBron, Anthony Davis, two names I just mentioned, and the reason I call that a good segue is because since the last time you and I spoke, there is this snowballing thought that the NBA might start in seven and a half weeks. That hadn't that hadn't come out yet. You and I did our interview last week on uh, Monday for the Friday show, um, and we talked about the Eastern Conference. We talked about how you know someone like Jimmy Butler was going to miss games. I got to feel like, Josh, this makes you even firmer in that belief where you have to be really cautious with teams that went deep into the bubble. If this does indeed take place. Absolutely. I I don't know how some of the teams that made deep runs in the bubble will be able to field competitive rosters at a hundred percent health. They won't. Right. That, that, that's straight up. No off season. You've got maybe what, like three, four weeks before you're supposed to really enter training camp mode these guys just went through war in this bubble where like we talked about this last week they spent a hundred days in seclusion doing nothing but playing basketball no real like contact with the outside world no friends no family we we talked about how hard that must have been and really guys like jimmy butler guys like lebron james just really just going all out for 40 plus minutes a night again practices the whole nine without really much rest and now you're asking them to turn around in a matter of six seven weeks and that's a oh man i I just don't envy it i don't envy it was it that was it game five where jimmy butler played uh 47 of 48 minutes something like that yeah it's just okay. So here's a here's a dilemma that I've been trying to work through solo on the podcast. I end up talking to myself like a crazy person and not really able to pick my my actual uh, hard stop point because maybe there isn't one. I'm trying to figure out how many teams from the bubble are going to be impacted by this shortened off season. At the moment, I've kind of settled on the final four. But do you think I need to go farther than that? Because in my mind, I'm like, look, and it's and it's a recency thing. But in my mind, I'm like, the Nuggets and the Celtics, they feel like they played pretty recently. Trying to think back to teams like the Clippers, the Rockets, the Raptors, the Bucks. It doesn't feel like those teams played that recently. But at the same time, maybe they it's did. Still pre- it's still fairly recent. Yeah. yeah. So would you go farther than the last four and say maybe the last eight teams are going to be adversely impacted by this or, or even farther I, than that? I would, I would say definitely the top four, but in the, in terms of the last, you know, the total eight teams, I wouldn't necessarily look at it from the full team, but maybe from an individual player perspective. So put it this way, like, and, and what I'm thinking about is, Giannis was really banged up oh, at yeah. the end of that series. 
knee and foot and ankle issues. And I, 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 I think that was it, but like, it was probably as injured that we have ever seen Giannis who's built like a Greek God and, you know, and has been seemingly healthy his entire career and, and was pretty much playing on one leg at the end of that series. So I just, I don't know how much time he has fully needed to feel like he is a hundred percent healthy and ready to go into again, another training camp after whatever free agents have, they they've gone to gear up for another run where, you know, the team is comfortable playing him at minutes in the upper thirties. So, okay. That actually, that that is a nuanced answer. And probably that's the answer that we need to questions like this, which is you look at a team like the bucks and say, well, they, they did play somewhat recently. Giannis was banged up. Middleton had to play gigantic minutes. Yep. Bledsoe didn't really. He was mm-hmm. sort of slowly working his way back from something the entire season. And then Brooke Lopez is kind of an older guy. So maybe you'd say three out of those four players are adversely impacted. And maybe Eric Bledsoe is the one that isn't potentially. And I don't know. Yes, we, have, I, we don't have to lock this I, in, but. No, 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 no. I, I mean, we're talking aloud. And, and that makes sense. I mean, because then you, you look at it from just, let's say, the Celtics perspective. You know, if Gordon Hayward returns, which, again, all indications seem that he will. You know, he missed a big chunk of that um, series, both due to an ankle injury as well as the birth of his child. So he really didn't get like that full wind. It's just a matter of like, oh, is he fully recovered for his ankle injury? And I would imagine that the answer is yes, because he was fairly close uh, or it did return towards the end of that series. Um, another name, and it's not really the last four that I'm thinking about, um, is Kristaps Porzingis. Oh, yeah. He had to come out very early in the bubble. He came out very early in the bubble. He had the knee surgery, and I'm sure it was with the notion that, okay, well, we'll have some degree of normal offseason to recuperate. Well, this ain't a normal offseason. Yeah, I don't know if I can draft Porzingis. I know that there's this. I was very much in favor of drafting him if you were playing in a bubble league because I thought, dude can make it through, <laughs> dude can make it through eight games. But 72 is the number they're targeting right now. He's just... I mean, he may have back-to-backs off another year. He might have back-to-backs off forever, for all we know. And then there's usually something on top of that. So to me, you're looking at someone who maybe caps out at like 57 or 58 of 72 games. I, I don't know how you're you be, you're spend... You're being generous. I was going to say like 54, 55. Yeah, so how do you spend a, a second or third round pick on someone like that? Maybe and... third, I guess, if you think he can go like top 15 on a per-game basis. But wow, that's a, that's a, that's a high price. Yeah, they're going to have to be cautious with his knee now. They're not going to have a choice. The Western Conference side of the bubble that I was thinking about was, what about, because there's there's a youth versus versus veteran thing going, oh, you know, just to finish up Boston, Kemba Walker seems like a dangerous guy to draft after playing in the bubble and not really being healthy there either. But then doesn't it feel like guys like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they can probably bounce back pretty quickly? Yeah, I would imagine so. The younger the younger guys Young should <laughs> be the youngins, the the anti Josh Millmans and Dan Bespers. That's right. Uh, the, you know, the, 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 the young man squad. The, the young man squad, not the Golden Grams or the Centrum Silvers as you mock your teams, <laughs> sir. I love that. By the, the way, youngins. shout out to uh, Alex Rickling, fellow analyst, for actually having a bottle of Centrum Silver on hand uh, <laughs> and showing that to us in a in a side chat. 
uh, that was that was fantastic. But sorry, go ahead. No, I you know I would lean towards those younger guys. I I mean Tatum feels to me as safe as safe can be in the you know latter parts of round one, early two. If you're fortunate to get him, because yeah, like you said, he's a, he's a young kid. He's he's prime for superstardom. So you know, trot him out there with confidence. Uh, on the other side of the bubble, and I'll try to make this quick because we've got other things we want to cover. Um, Jamal Murray is a name that jumps out as someone yeah. who went to the Western Conference Finals. He was playing 43, 44 minutes every game. He ended up pretty pretty beat up by the end of that series with L.A. What about Jokic? Like He he never looks like he slows down or speeds up at all, regardless of how many minutes or I games know, he's playing. I know, I know. And then it's, it, then it's the question of you know, his conditioning and whether or not he needs time to play himself into shape. Yeah. And it's always maybe a shorter you know, like, off season is good for him. Maybe, but at the same time, you know, and, and we see this a lot, you know, with some of the, you know, people who, you know, look at our, like the mock dress we do and whatever else, like, Oh, you're sleeping on Jokic. He starts slow and always picks up steam and he's a beast in the latter part of the season. But in a shortened season, you don't have time to start slow. So if Jokic comes out of the gate sluggish and tired and, I don't know, winded a little out of shape, could he? is he going to play his way back into it? Yeah, but is, is a 72-game season versus an 82-game season because we're so accustomed to his, his, his strong track record of health, is, that, is losing 10 games going to be enough to really sink his value if he starts out slow because he's been gassed hmm. having played so much basketball so recently? Yeah, we got to be so cautious. You got to be so cautious. It, yeah. takes, it takes a lot of names. I don't know if you want to say completely off the board, but where they're likely going to get drafted, it almost effectively takes them off the board. That, I mean, the, the big name is obviously Butler, and not to rehash that, obviously, but like just of all the players who you think, okay, like this is the guy really need to think about in that, you know, again, late first, early to mid second period. Like, are you, are you really, really going to try to gamble that you're going to get bubble Jimmy? And I think the answer is effectively no, no, you're not. You can't, right. He wasn't even close to that in the regular season this year. And it wasn't a short off season. So no, I don't know. It, to me, it's it would be crazy to expect a, a a better result with less rest. That doesn't the the stars don't align there. I agree with that. Yes. Um, I talked briefly about it on yesterday's podcast, but I was curious your thoughts on the Daryl Morey hiring in Philadelphia. How does he coexist with Elton Brand? What does that mean for how they how the offense runs for that team? How does he? You know, I, and it sounds like he and Doc Rivers actually have. A relationship that was the the read that I was getting on some of these short articles coming out about it. Everybody's making jokes about how Ben Simmons is just going to get traded immediately. I don't think that's the case because he gets a lot of layups, and that's also part of the Maury thing. But anyway, I, it's a loaded question. Where do you sit on all this? Does this change your your assessment of any of these guys on the fantasy side? Um, I don't know that it necessarily does. Um, I I think their fantasy values are are fairly fixed. Um, and I, I say that because just I really don't think that Maury's coming in to blow things up too much, at least not this first year. And I say that because you and I have spoken about this again. This team was fairly close and this team was a juggernaut at home. But for some reason, they are, are uh, they were an absolute mess on the road. Yeah, they didn't they didn't have a healthy Ben Simmons. 
in in the playoffs. And Embiid, you know, is going to get his rest days regardless. So, I mean, do do they play at a faster pace and get a few more possessions? Probably. But Ben Simmons, again, isn't just all of a sudden, even with Daryl Morey coming in and preaching his analytics and his style, isn't going to become Steph Curry. That's not that's not realistic. He's still going to be a poor free throw shooter. Could he improve in both of those areas? Sure. But I, I don't see a like like he's not going to all of a sudden be turn into James Harden. You know, let's just put it that way. So I, I don't really see it as a big change, at least in terms of fantasy. But I do think that, look, I, I actually saw a, a pretty good point made on Twitter. It's that maybe in all of Maury's like tinkering with the analytics in Houston, maybe there's another inefficiency that he's finding, you know, with with hmm. like layups, like you said with Ben Simmons and maybe there's something that like these guys can attack the basket at will or something that they're not doing on offense already that he can then capitalize on, not necessarily relying on the three pointer, not saying that he's going to overhaul everything right away, because I think like, and again, we discussed this, their contractual situation really prohibits that. But I do think that there's going to be sound improvement regardless, because it seems like, with more, they'll have a little bit more of a, you know, some stability at the top of the organization. And Doc Rivers is that veteran presence who can handle, you know, different egos and, and you know, brings that that championship caliber mentality to to Philly, which they didn't have before. You know who I like and it's not going to surprise you at all? Go ahead. Tobias I Harris. know. I know. Yeah. Who you, like. I, you know the answer. Yeah. Like, of course. Yeah. Doesn't it the, like he to me? had maybe the worst season he could have had there last year, and he was still number 52 by average, and I think he was in the 20s by totals. And he's going now, he's going to play for Doc Rivers, who already helped him with his efficiency in yep. L.A., and now Maury coming in is probably going to help with his efficiency as well. Like, there's, to me, he's the guy Money that, in the bank. Yeah, exactly. Money in the bank. He's, it's free money, because he's going to get drafted near 50, and he's going to outperform that. I think he's just going to get worse. I think he's, and we kind of saw this and not to steal away from like what we've been doing with the mock, but we, we were seeing him go below that. And I would imagine that that there's going to be a market inefficiency there for Tobias Harris without question. Is there anything they can do about Al Horford or is he, is he kaput as long as Embiid is on the floor? Um, is glue factory too harsh of a word? <laughs> nope. No, no, uh, no, I, I, I don't, I, Again, I don't know that, but like I think they're going to have to do a better job of staggering them. Uh, but I, I really don't think that um, Horford brings the kind of offensive or defensive prowess that we're used to seeing. And again, I, to expect him in an age 35 season to do that, you know, at, at a 25 to 30 minute clip, um, just just isn't fair and it's not realistic. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking too. Because it seemed yeah. like they were, I know, I know they were trying to go mega large at in the bubble and just play every giant human they had on that team. But that just that never felt right. And then that no. pushes Horford back to the bench, where his minutes went from roughly thirty a game down to I think about twenty four. And that's just that's not enough for someone who sort of slowly accumulates things in and, every and category. Your bench plotter at best. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. But I'm I'm seeing it the same way you are. Uh, let's talk Western Conference. We, I, I think we've hit the, the key recent things, right? That was the... I think so. That was the main stuff. All right, so I'm going to lump a few teams together because as opposed to doing them one by one, 
it, it ties into what we were talking about with the shortened offseason, the bubble, all of that stuff. Lakers, uh, Nuggets towards the end of the bubble. Are there any other obvious teams to add to the be very, very, very cautious with this club? Or is it just Lakers, Nuggets? Or is it potentially even individual guys from other teams? Um, I would argue the Clippers in that scenario. So I, we have, there's a discussion to be had on this team, and I'm glad you brought them yeah. up. I feel I'm t- completely in agreement with you on Kawhi Leonard, and I'm not fully sold on Paul George being too tired this coming year. I kind of feel like he's in a he has something to prove because he's been getting clobbered by the mainstream media. Yes, and that's the I, perfect time to back somebody, isn't it? I think so. I th- I mean, you're probably right. I was more, my head was more thinking Kawhi, but yeah, also fully with you on the Kawhi uh, thing. Yeah, full. Yeah, the, the Kawhi thing for sure. But I just think that this team is going to have some degree of facelift because you know, like we spoke about. They they have to find a point guard, have to. Yeah, and, did you see the rumors and, that they're that they're looking at Rajon Rondo? Uh, the, yeah, the irony, uh, <laughs> yep. yes, but that but I but yes, the irony in that is that he makes a lot of sense just as a pure point guard who you know will will get this team to where they need to and you know where he doesn't need to take like a ton of shots, play some defense and and can come through in clutch moments on like Pat Beverly, um, you know he, <laughs> there's. Uh, and and what happens with 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 Trez and and if they backfill his position if he's back you know it's a team that's going to get some sort of facelift and that's going to have just some general ramifications on how that plays out uh, from fantasy I mean it shouldn't affect Paul George too much but just some of the other players that you might be considering on that which I, to be honest I don't really know um, you know outside of Trez maybe Lou Williams you know, late in drafts. So, you know, that, that's where, that's where my head's at. Like there's not like, it's, it's a bit of an unclear fantasy situation. Are the Lakers and the Clippers, the top two seeds next year, or are they so beat up that they fade in the rankings a little bit? Oh man, Uh, that's a great question because if, if you hold LeBron at his word and be like, I'm screw that. I'm not playing for like the first month. I don't know how, that team isn't anything more than like a 500 basketball team. Yeah. At best, at at best, you know, and you, there's guaranteed to be rest days built in now for LeBron and potentially Anthony Davis. Yep. You know, they're, they're, they're not going to risk those two guys in the pursuit of another title. So I mean, that, that, that's another thing. So I, I just, those, yeah, the Lakers are definitely a big, big risk. I would say the nuggets are, I would say moderately risky just because of what we spoke about with Murray and Jokic. But at the same time, Porter's a young guy and they want to get him more minutes. And I think that they also didn't have Will Barton for the entire bubble. So that that's a body they need back. And so I, I think that they are deep enough that they could withstand, you know, giving away some of Murray's minutes and some of Jokic's minutes that they can hold off and still be pretty good within the Hmm. conference. All right. Okay. Fair enough. So this is the, the, all right. The next group here is one where I'm not quite sure how to frame it. So I might just turn it over to you and work our way down the board. Um, The thunder. Doesn't it seem like this coming year is the, 
is the time to to sort of kick into the rebuild. This has got to be the blow up. That's yeah. this has got to be the blow up. So they're out of the playoffs next year. You think? I I I agree. Like, yeah, I I I, the, the, I think the reason why Chris Paul's name is in everyone's rumor mill is because his value is will just probably not be as high as it is at this point. Yeah, knowing what he can bring to a contender, knowing that there's going to be a lot of offseason shuffling in a short offseason, and you know the 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 Thunder are sitting on what, like a million first-round draft picks now yeah, through 2024 or something like that? I believe it is a million, yes. Yeah. I, 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 so I, I would imagine that, you know, they'll strike some sort of deal, get a whole bunch of young guys, rebuild that thing. And, I, I, I again, I, I think that's why Billy Donovan was like, ah, I guess, you know, that's the end of that because there must have been signals that this, if this is as far as this team will go, we're going to build around SGA and we'll go from there. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. They they played to the they played to their ceiling this last year. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's no way they get better than what they were. You have to get worse to get better in that instance. So I'm with you on that one. What about the Rockets? Since it sounds like actually as we're recording this show, um, we learned that the Rockets have made their decision on the next head coach. It's going to be Steven Silas. So does does anything change with that team? I mean, it's no Mike D'Antoni, but. <laughs> What? I, no, I, I don't. I, I don't know. And not, I'm just learning that as well. So I, I really have I don't know too much about Stephen Silas, to be perfectly honest with yeah, you. Same. Um, so I, I, I think and I don't know if it's this year, but um, I think this team has reached the end of its road also. And I don't think Maury leaves unless he knows that that's probably it, that he's taken this team as far as they can go. And the Westbrook deal was just out of, you know, just by force because Harden and Chris Paul didn't get along. And so he was forced to take on this bad contract to placate his superstar. And you have an owner who was very publicly like concerned about his businesses losing money in this pandemic. So I, I, I just I, I don't see how this team improves year over year uh, without you know, jettisoning some parts and, you know, maybe the Knicks say, screw it. We'll take on West, uh, Westbrook's contract just so that they have like a legitimate mm. star and point guard in the garden because they're one of the few teams that can actually afford to do that. Um, but I, yeah, th- this team's got to be taking a backslide. I would think. Do you think they actually, so you think they win fewer games next year or at a worse clip because you know, they only play, I think at a worse clip. Yeah. I think at a worse clip. Um, to me, they're like the, the the West. My God, the West is like ridiculous. Yeah. I know we're going to go through all these. Teams, well, no, I mean, like, that's the thing. Though. One of the questions I thought about asking you at the front end was, is there any team in the West that just won't compete at all? And the Timberwolves are the only one that comes to mind. I, and, and the Timberwolves are the only ones that come to mind. And I think that they're going to be an improved team regardless. They have to be. They were awful last year. <laughs> they were awful last year. But like, I know that. D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns really didn't have a lot of opportunity to play together. No, they and didn't. those two guys love each other and want to play together. And I think can be very successful together as a pick and pop combination. Yeah. There's no, so, there is no easy game in the Western conference. No, none. That's none. crazy. And, and that's regardless of who they pick at number one or get some sort of asset in return for that number one pick. They, I, they're, they're an improved team regardless. There are at least three, probably more like four or five Eastern Conference teams I would rather play than any Western Conference team next year. 
Oh, absolutely. absolutely. That's crazy. How good do the yeah. Warriors look this coming year? Do you think they can just put it all back together, no problem? I think they're, mentally speaking, they haven't played basketball since March. And they kind of knew last season was going to be the wash season, knowing that Clay was going to be out for, for the entire year. And Draymond struggled without Steph and, and, and trying to be like that one veteran voice on that team. And I'm sure it was a frustrating season, but like the, the, they're all locked in. They're ready to go. And I would imagine they've got at least one more run in them. Because in their minds, like, hey, we've done it already. You know, so whether or not Wiggins stays, whether or not the number two pick stays, they have the horses now with the three of them, Steph, Clay, and, and Draymond, to they're 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 a quietly deep team because of that that crap year that they had. So I think while I'm not ready to put them back in like the runaway number one seed of the West yet, I think that they can compete and will compete and, and they can take advantage of teams that are going to be like, like the Lakers, like the Nuggets that are like, man, we're tired. Like we haven't, you know, we're not, we can't be, you know, running at full speed in December, January. Whereas the, the Warriors are like, hell, we haven't played basketball since March. We're going to run you out of the gym. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. So from a fantasy perspective, I have to assume Clay will get some rest days in there, but I don't know that the other guys really need him. Maybe Dre gets a few. I, I like To me, it seems like Steph is going to want to play in as many games as possible after missing basically the entire year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, Steph's a top five pick lock easily to me. Uh, don't, don't even don't even think about it. I'm jumping around the map a little bit here. What do you think about the Portland Trailblazers? Every year I've faded them, fade, 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 and pretty much every year they've made me look stupid for doing so until this year where they really did sort of just not have enough in the tank to compete in that difficult West until the bubble, the, really the pandemic gave them the opportunity to make the playoffs because they were able to get healthy. Um, they, it seems like they're going to be a lot better next year, and it seems like they have a reason to be optimistic because they got better, and because they finally have a tiny bit of salary cap space for the first time in four years. I, I think this is still a solid playoff team, and I think it's as simple as they're replacing Hassan Whiteside with Yusuf Nurkic. This is a team and I like I like for fantasy. I like the Blazers. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Despite Nurkic, the fact that they played in the bubble, I think they're still going to be pushing pretty hard in the regular season. I mean, you can argue that the Blazers were the team that gave the Lakers the most trouble in that in that entire bubble. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, once they figured out the coverage on the pick and roll, then things turned a little nah, bit. Still, but I mean, I would imagine that, um, you know, the, and again, you, Nurkic got like gas towards the end of that because yeah, he, he was just nothing. starting to get <laughs> figured out. But I, I still think that the, the, the Blazers come in with a degree of confidence because of that. that yeah. It's like, hey, look, you know, this was this was all circumstantial, but we know that we can run with these guys. Like we, 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 we pretty much gave them our, our best shot, but they out, they outlasted us. Put me, give me and, Serge Ibaka on that team. Oh, that'd be nice. That feels like it. I know power that forward feels like is, a good fit. Yeah, yeah. Put him in there. Let him play some stretch four. I know he's going to have a little yep. trouble keeping up with the fast ones, but a little toughness, a little toughness on that, that team. feels like a good fit. I like that. I like that. Because I don't like the Nurk Zach Collins potential starting front court to me is too too big, too slow. No, that's not. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't love it. 
how, I don't how love good. It, but I just think you, I think Nurk as a facilitator is something that if, as long as they have, and just look, speaking strictly from a fantasy standpoint, before Nurk broke his leg, he was what, top 35, 36 overall in, in terms of per game and total value that, that 18, 19 season. It stands to reason he can get that back. Yeah. I don't know about the first round that he put up in the bubble, but absolutely what you said. No, definitely. No, no, I, w- I wouldn't say that. But like if, if, if he's staring at you in the third round, you should really contemplate it. Yeah, I think he'll have a good year. I think Dame will have another good year. I think McCollum will have a good year. And then maybe maybe even look at a Gary Trent if he's their small forward next year. There's yeah, a possibility he, fla- there. he flashed a bit for sure. Um, three and D, three and D guy, a little potential on that front. How good do the Mavericks get next year? Because they had uh, an historically great offense. We've talked about the issues with Porzingis staying healthy. They didn't play enough defense. It, uh, do they just get better as Luca gets better, or do they uh, are other things need to happen on that team? I'm honestly, I'm a little confused by where the Mavericks go next year. Yeah, I don't know. Um... And I think the Porzingis news kind of puts a little bit of a of a halt to any potential progression that these guys can make. Offensively, I think they're going to continue on, but I feel like they're just this mishmash of random wing players and defensive guys that don't really have, you know, trying to figure out Rick Carlisle's rotations was was friggin' maddening. You know, one night, especially for us DFS players, it was like, oh, you know, um, the, Tim Hardaway Jr. is sitting. So, hey, let's maybe fire up the Dorian Finney-Smith, you know, and then all of a sudden he's giving 30 minutes to Justin Jackson or something like that. You know, I, it, it's hard to really discern, but I do know that they may be a team that will want to, uh, you know, take a big swing at a big potential either free agent or or trade chip because look they already know that that this team can run offensively between luca and between uh kp again assuming full health but they're also going to know like we can't just rely on these two guys just organically getting better and not having some degree of you know improvement in our depth and and in some sort of complementary pieces if either a KP isn't quite as healthy as we'd like him to be, or Luca just has one of his off nights. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. It's it's a little bit. All right, well, um, I've been dodging this one as long as possible. What what are the <laughs> what are the what are the Jazz next year? What are they? I don't know. And the sale of the team now kind of gives me a little bit of pause. Right. Yeah, they did just sell their team to a young billionaire, right? Yes. What an existence. Uh, well, we don't need to talk. <laughs> yeah, I Can I be I, a young, young billionaire? billionaire? I actually know the company that, that he used to run. Quantrics um, or Qualtrics or Qualtri- something? Qualtrics. Qualtrics. A, a, yeah, a research and data company. Wow. Um, you know, interesting. I mean, that's a sidebar for another time. But, uh, I, you know, usually I get weary of, like, sales and what that means and clean balance sheets and everything like that. Oh, by the way, hey, we're going to have to pay Donovan Mitchell a ton of money coming up. Um, so I, I just wonder, and again, we, you know, we hear this a lot from, you know, like I'm channeling my inner brewski here, like a big guy like Rudy Gobert is how much does he have left in his seven foot two frame to continue to be this defensive beast that he's been and, and shot blocker 
when we know that that has a lot of wear and tear on on a body. You do sound like Brew. You're, I did. I mean, you hate, I, I've, been you hate with, not... I've been with the hoop long enough that I hope <laughs> I can channel him a little bit. You getting you getting uh you getting a little hard on them big men now? Is that what's turn you're turning uh, on them? You, you know, like God, you pick up things here and there. So sorry, Brew. I don't mean to steal your thunder if you're listening. Um, <laughs> I mean, Rudy wasn't no, too bad this year. He was no, 32, he right? No, no, 30 he something. Wasn't, and you know, I don't. And I don't think just based on the way that they were in the bubble that, you know, it, it would really have that effect on, on him, at least physically for the time being. But I think it's, again, it's another full season and uh, he's been relatively healthy for the past couple of years, you know, playing full seasons. Whereas in previous years, it was always, you know, some injury here. Yeah. Or some every other, there. it was like every yeah. other year with him, some weird thing would yeah. happen. Yeah. So I, look, it's just it's just another year of, again, he's he is a beast on the defensive side. He's asked to clean up whatever mess is made on the outside. And it, it, it again, when does that catch up to him? I'm not saying, like, don't draft the guy because of the injury risk. I'm just saying that it's something that you're going to have to have in the back of your head. And then every so often you're looking at the blocks and the block rates and they're kind of slowly decreasing a little bit. And that's that's his bread and butter. That's why you draft him. The Jazz could be a fifty-win team in the Eastern Conference. Oh, easily. They went tw- they went twenty and seven against the Eastern Conference this year. This last I mean, season, pre bubble, the, the Suns are going to go twenty and seven against the Eastern Conference. That's just crazy. I mean, I look at this Jazz team, I'm like, ah, they're boring. And then I realize, okay, they have Mike Conley, who's on the downslope, but was at one point a pretty damn good basketball player. Donovan Mitchell, budding superstar, solid big man in Rudy Gobert, Boyan Bogdanovich, nice scoring wing. They're really only missing one competent starter because they bring Joe Ingles off the bench. In in another conference, in another universe, this is a really good basketball That's a strong team. team. That's but, a strong team. But I look at them and I'm like, boring, middle of the pack, West, Western <laughs> and that, Conference. And that's if that. Like, just, again, at the end of this exercise, we got to like – Think about who we put in the top eight because to 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 try to commit to that at this point, you, you make yourself crazy just with with how deep this conference is. Yeah, and now we're seeing. By the way, a tweet just came out, and I and I sent it while we were talking because it felt like it was so important. Kevin O'Connor sent out the following note, and uh, well, I'm going to read it verbatim here, and then we can talk about it. Uh, quote. Sources, the NBA held a call this afternoon with team GMs and presidents to detail the plan for a 72-game season set to begin December 22nd and end before the Olympics in July. The league intends to schedule games in a way that reduces travel by 25% with teams playing MLB-style series, which I assume means that hmm. you know if you're playing a team in your division or your conference or whatever two or three times in a season, you're probably going to see them really close to one another. Um, but I don't like, I guess in the Western conference, that would mean maybe if you're who the hell is pretty far, like Memphis, if you were going to play LA three times and two of them were going to be in Los Angeles, you might just have those games back to back, or it might be like you play the Lakers, the Clippers, and then the Lakers again, and then you're done right. with them forever. Right. Uh, right. so this, I mean, I don't know what this means necessarily from a fantasy standpoint, but to me, it's just more momentum building towards this potential early start time. Uh, and it probably also means that fewer you're going to see fewer games between the two conferences. So the West is just going to beat the hell out of each other even more this coming year. There's going to be some disappointed teams in the West. Yeah, who mean, the just, hell? That's just just math. All right, so the Wolves are probably not going to make it, right? Probably not. Yeah. 
the Spurs, it sounds like they're in the, on the cusp of dumping their veterans. They're, yeah, no, they they gotta go. They they, they gotta go. I, I, it's it's this 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 is time for a rebuild. We gotta pick five more teams that aren't gonna make it. I know it's hard. <laughs> I don't think the Pelicans make it. Probably not. I think that they need another year or two, um, and then they've because uh, yeah, Zion hasn't really played any professional basketball. Basically, they yep. need to get a full season and see what they really have, and and get him. Uh, some development, some maturity, and, and uh, not that he's immature, but you know what I mean from a basketball sense. Um, yeah, I'm not ready to commit to those guys either. I don't think the Grizzlies make it, which makes me sad because I'd love to see them make it, but I don't think they do. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a question of who they're leapfrogging, and and that's that's tough. I, I I'm I'm with you. They're still young, and they can still run you out of the gym. But again, it's just it's it's a matter of are these guys just going to beat the living hell out of each other? And I don't know that they can keep up with that. Yeah, when they when they lost their veterans near the trade deadline, things seemingly took a weird turn for them, and there wasn't. Nobody really stabilized them at that point. I don't think the Thunder make it. You and I talked about them blowing no. things up um so we're at five now we have to pick two more teams that aren't going to make the playoffs out of the west uh sacramento i'll probably put on the outside yeah the the, the kangs are, are out yeah oh boy okay so i, I mean I, I just when when did, the, when did those guys ever get their crap together um well luke walton's still the head coach so not yet not yet <laughs> i like i like the alvin gentry uh assistant coach situation, oh yeah though. for sure thank god because i have i've uh De'Aaron Fox on a couple keeper teams, yeah. and I'm thrilled about that. That's a very that is a very nice thing. Well, I'm putting yes. the Warriors in the playoffs, which also you makes that to. situation harder. Um, do we think anyone besides the Thunder that made the playoffs this year falls out? Because that would allow us to move the Suns in. They seem to be the last question mark on our board here. Do the Suns go in and someone drops out, or are the Suns the last team eliminated? I really want to put the Suns in, but I'm not going to overthink an eight-game sample. To me, I think that they are the last team out. But what I'll say is is that I think that Dallas isn't ready to make that leap. And if I had to peg a team that isn't quite there, it's probably them. Yeah, even probably. though that I think that even though I think, look, you, Luca's a future MVP candidate. There, there, there's no question about that. But I, I, the, the, the Porzingis knee injury scares me. The lack of other, you know, scoring options, if you will, around them is a little concerning. I think Carlisle will coach the heck out of that team, but I don't know if it's going to be enough in a shortened season. Yeah. I, um, yeah. I'm probably putting them in over the Suns, just like you, but yeah. Uh, what this does mean, by the way, to sort of pull it all into a neat little satchel, is that you're going to have a lot of teams that are playing meaningful games until there's about a week left in the season. That should shorten the silly season for the Western Conference, sort of. Oh, yeah, for sure. So that's good. That's good for fantasy. All of these teams I, the become less is, frightening. Yeah, the only thing is I think it'll, it'll really make a difference in how you, you potentially draft when the schedule is released, because you may well, you may want to think about what it is. And you brought up the Memphis and LA example. And this is really more of a head to head thing than a, um, you know, a roto uh, basically where you're not really thinking about this, but let's say the Grizzlies 
start their season in L.A. And they play both the Lakers and Clippers, two, two of the better defensive teams in the entire league. Do you then fade Grizzlies players knowing that the first couple weeks of the season they're going to run into this defensive gauntlet and you don't want to draft John Morant, Jonas Valanciunas, knowing that, like, well, if my studs aren't going to perform in those first two weeks, I don't want to dig myself a head-to-head hole. Hmm. Yeah, I was trying to think of a I was trying to think of a way to argue with you, but now I'll roll with it. I'll roll with it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, perhaps I'm overthinking it, but it's like a kind of like an old you know football adage where it's you know you look at strength of schedule, and that's going to come into a little bit more play. Whereas yeah. you know in a longer season, that probably doesn't factor as much. Yeah, I well, you know I I definitely want I want healthy guys at the beginning of the year in a shorter season. Every game becomes ever so slightly more important. Strength of schedule is worth looking at because if you have one of these bubble teams that's staring down the barrel of a really difficult run, uh, you're in trouble. The other side of this is, Josh, we got word earlier today that if they do start this season in December, we might not get the entire schedule at once. They said they might release it in two halves this coming season. So you might not be able to draft for the playoffs and head-to-head. Mystery and intrigue wrapped in an enigma. It's, wrapped in it. What, what's the Sim? Isn't a Simpsons line an enigma wrapped in an enigma wrapped in? So, a candy, yeah, I was trying. I was that's like what I was candy, going for. And I totally screwed it up. Like a sweet candy shell or something like that. I, I forget. <laughs> I got. I got. Someone. Someone will help us on Twitter. I'm sure. Yeah. Um. Okay. So let's very fast. We'll lightning round this thing because I know you. You got to go here in the next couple of minutes. Western Conference teams. Josh, give me the teams where you are uh, bearish on their fantasy outlooks because of the weird bubble and weird off season who are you what teams are you and again it, it, there's a there's a player specific element to some of this stuff but mm-hmm. the teams that you're bearish on like the lakers would obviously be one of the, them the who lakers are the others are the obvious ones i i would say the mavericks in the non-luka division and i would also say the clippers and again a lot of that is just based in uncertainty i think the nuggets will be Okay. Honorable honorable mention. Okay. They're in bearish yeah, honorable. honorable. Yeah. Okay. Um, bullish Western Conference teams. Again, largely because of storyline. Um, my favorite bullish Western Conference team is the Suns. Who are the other? Who are they in your list? And who are the other ones? The Suns and the Warriors, easily. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. I might throw the Blazers onto my bull list also. But- yeah, I buy that. Okay, and I then most of the other ones are sort of different storylines. Like the Rockets were a little bit bearish for you, but mostly neutral. I think that the Rockets are neutral. I just don't think that they're going to win as many games. That's fair. Jazz neutral. Um, Kings, Jazz neutral. Pels, Kings, Wolves. Kings. I the Kings situation. I I could be swung either way depending on what happens with Buddy Heald. Yeah, because do they can they reconcile? Does he get moved? All that type of stuff. And then right. teams like the Spurs and the Thunder, they're sort of none of the above because we think they're going to sell off pieces. They're just going to rebuild, and you can probably find value in there somewhere once once the sell-off happens. Yeah, would you go Derek White on draft day and just ride whatever you know yeah, top 100 so. type of value you get so. until the potential? Yeah, because to me, that's like my favorite type of stash. I almost never stash guys, but he he could actually be a top 100, top 110 kind of guy even if he's coming off the bench as kind of the third guard. 
And then if anyone gets moved, then he rockets into the top 50. Yeah, I I think so. So you're actually getting production out of the guy. Yeah, I'm bullish on certain guys on, <laughs> yeah that's fair on, on the Spurs, yeah. <laughs> those are we those are uh too difficult to describe as a one team unit basically those are no fair enough yeah, yeah those the, are the other team that i would say that i'm bullish on that we, like we started talking about them the 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 timberwolves okay so I, they're I, are you worried at all about them getting eliminated and setting guys down they they're, they're i'm a no. little bearish on the silly season but over the but you're right though like those two guys do want to play together no, I think that this team, health, you know, is the one thing notwithstanding. I think that this is still a fairly young team, you know, with guys like uh, Culver and Akogi, like the, you know, the, the, and and again, whoever they bring in from a number two perspective, I think that these guys, their silly season is still going to be their starters because they need these guys to get better together, if they're going to see what they have as an organization. All right. I buy it. He is Josh Millman. I probably should have said that at some point in the middle of the show also, but I didn't. No, you got it. You had, you had me. You said Josh Millman and Twitter. Like, Dan, that was right at the beginning. I know about you. You're a responsible person. He is at Dan Bespris. It's <laughs> true. On Twitter. <laughs> you want to, you want to take us out? No, I'll, I'll do it. Cause no, I don't know what the hell's happening. You don't know what's happening. I haven't told you what's coming up on the show. That would have been, <laughs> been wholly unfair. Uh, this this segment that you and I are taping right now, Josh, is airing on Thursday. So those of you listening will have one more show this week. Tomorrow, we'll be breaking down a few more rounds of the way-too-early mock draft. I will then make fun of Josh's team, and he can defend himself next week. Uh, oh, yeah, I can't wait. It's easier to mock you when you're not on the other end of the phone to talk back. That's, that's how we solo show hosts do it. Uh, and then we'll round on into Monday and, and probably keep talking about that. But all, right now, there's big news breaking every day. So certainly we will cover that uh, where relevant. Josh Millman is Josh Millman on Twitter. J-O-S-H-M-I-L-L-M-A-N. Josh, my secret cousin, have a lovely few days. We'll talk again soon, yeah? Yeah, buddy. Miss you, man. Likewise. Have a great Thursday, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.